0: Happy Mother's Day to all you moms out there, all right, and all the moms watching online. Let's all give a round of applause for all the moms online, too. So, today, as we talk to and about moms, I want to begin with this little blurb. I ran across this many years ago. I love this. Uh, The following are real answers given by elementary age children about mothers and their role in life. You ready? First of all, why did God give you your mother and not some other mom? Well, God knew she likes me a lot more than other people's moms like me. Makes sense. Good answer. What ingredients are mothers made of? Well, God makes mothers out of clouds and angel hair and everything nice in the world and one dab of mean. Yeah. Just a dab, ladies, just a dab. (laughs) Why did your mom marry your dad? Well, my grandma says mom didn't have her thinking cap on. Wow. What makes a real woman? It means you have to be really bossy without looking bossy. Insightful little kid here. Who's the boss at your house? A mom doesn't want to be boss, but she has to be because dad is such a goofball. (laughs) Is anything about your mom perfect? (laughs) This little gal said, her casserole recipes, but we hate them. (laughs) And finally, if you could change one thing about your mom, what would it be? I'd make my mom smarter, and then she'd know that my sister did it and not me. (laughs) All right, so one of the challenges on Mother's Day is how to show appreciation to our moms, right? I mean, how do you show appreciation for something as invaluable as the nurture, the care, the training, the discipline, the love that many of us receive from our moms? You know, it's really a debt that you cannot repay. But if I was to give you a one-word answer, it would be the word honor, honor. See, moms, they sacrifice their bodies, their time, their energy, their effort to serve their family 364 days a year. They're often the ones cleaning the house, fixing meals, washing clothes, running the taxi service, and a lot of times it can be a thankless job. And from time to time, women feel kind of taken advantage of, taken for granted. And I think what's lacking is honor you know, the fifth commandment says to honor your father and your mother. And that word honor means to value, to respect, to pay tribute to. And our responsibility to honor our mothers, it begins as a child, but it continues throughout adulthood. And so as I was thinking today about how in the world could we honor moms on this special day, the thought hit me. What if we tailored a message designed specifically to speak to the heart of a mom, designed specifically to speak to the women? That would be mothers, grandmothers, daughters, granddaughters. And since we men are such experts at knowing and understanding women's souls and hearts and psyches, right? I thought I would be the perfect person to speak to the heart of a mom today. (laughs) Yeah, maybe not. And that's why I asked my wife, and since it's my birthday, it was hard for her to say no. I asked my wife to come up here and just to speak for a moment to the mothers here this morning. And really, you know, she has 30 years experience as a mom, just so you know, 35 years experience as a wife, and let's just say a number of years experience as a woman, okay? We'll just play that one safe. I'm not going to tell you how old she is, even though I told Sun City that she could qualify to live out there. But you didn't hear that from me. You did not hear that from me. right? Anyways, to say, she's got a little more experience in the heart of a mom department understanding that than I do. And you know, guys, this is our opportunity right now to honor the moms, to honor our wives by allowing Wendy just to speak to the heart of mothers here today. And you know what? We can learn a thing or two (laughs) in the process of this. We get a rare glimpse. We get opportunity just to hear what's going on maybe in the soul, the psyche of a woman. So at this time, I'd like to ask my wife, Wendy, to come on up here. If you guys would give her a round of applause. She's gonna to speak to you guys.
1: Thank you. I'm ready to go now. <laughs> All right. Well, Happy Mother's Day, and I wanted you to know that. Um, well, a lot of you probably already know that we became a grand well, we became grandparents almost two years ago now. And I was reminded that being a new mom is hard. When our son Nick was born 30 years ago, we brought him home from the hospital. But before we left, a nurse met us and addressed us. And her sole job was to instruct us on how important it was, no matter what, until our child could turn over by himself. He was only to be laid down on his stomach. If he were to roll over on his side or we were to put him on his back, his very life would be in danger. And then 26 years ago, when our son Nathan was born, a nurse met us in the hospital before we left. Her sole job was to instruct us and other new parents that no matter what, under any circumstances, we had to remember, we should always lay our son in the crib on his side. If we were to accidentally forget and lay him on his stomach or his back, his very life would be in danger. Well, like I said, almost two years ago, our little granddaughter was born. And we met them at the house when they brought her home. And I was informed by my daughter-in-law, who had been informed by a nurse, that it was critical, critical that we knew, no matter what, this child, when laid in her crib, at least until she could turn over, was always supposed to be laid on her back. (laughs) If this protocol was broken, her life would be in danger. So I volunteered several nights to stay up and watch this baby sleep. Because being a new mom is hard. I mean, it's stressful. And for crying out loud, if a medical professional's seemingly full-time job is to instruct us that our child should lay on her back or her side or her stomach, I mean, that's important. And, you know, each parent is so glad when this parenting hurdle is finally overcome. Because after our child can turn over by themselves, basically, it's a cakewalk, right? Well, as Christian moms, you would think we have exceptional parenting abilities because, well, we have the Bible, and we have the church to help us. Spoiler alert, Christian moms put on their spandex leggings one leg at a time, just like any other mom. And sometimes we let the Bible scare us instead of embolden us. For instance, 1 Peter 5.8 says, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Gosh, then you look at your tiny morsel in that crib. It's a bit daunting, right? Well, why do we get so anxious? Maybe it's the sleep deprivation. Maybe it's spiritual warfare. Maybe it's a myriad of things. It is. It is a myriad of things. But I have good news for you all today. I'm here to tell you that if you experience anxiety in regard to raising your children or the raising of your children's children, first, congratulations, you're human. And second of all, there's an anecdote. And while it's readily available, it does need to be learned and fought for at a spiritual level. And although it comes from God, it does require work on our part. Um, But anything worthwhile is worth effort, right? So. Not too long ago, God allowed me to stumble across a word picture from nature that so perfectly illustrated this. I immediately wrote it into my devotionals and added it to my collection of inspirations from nature. Bonafide nature geek right here. Any other nature lovers out there? A few? All right, well, if you're a mom or a nature lover, you're going to find this fascinating. And Brian thought it was so cool, he did ask me to come share it with you on Mother's Day And as he said, it's his birthday, so how could I say no? Well, one afternoon, I walked out on our front porch, and I saw a spooky thing. I leaned forward and looked inside my electronic bug trap. A large, shadowy creature was in there with an elongated face, an elongated body, and folded appendages. And the blue light in there seemed to just make it glow. The neon light around it made it look like a bona fide alien. It looked just like a miniaturized sci-fi film set. You know these bug traps, they they lure all kinds of heinous bugs, annoying insects. The light mesmerizes them and draws them in, and then this electric fan sucks them down into this pit where they die laid on top of each other. (laughs) Think of it as the pit of Hades for insects. And the scene went from strange to stranger when I noticed the creature looked like it was praying to a large gray pod. I'm not making this up. (laughs) And God knows I love moments of discovery like this, so I could feel God right there with me saying, all right, Missy, what do you think about this one? And I was like, what in the world is this? And I realized it was a praying mantis one of the good guys in the bug world, and it had become victim in the trap. I'd set that trap for the evil bugs, the biting bugs, the fly directly in your face and get tangled in your hair so you run off screaming in front of your friend's bugs. Um, Why on earth was it in there and how did it make its nest in there? That's right, the gray pod was laden with mother mantis eggs. I studied her precious family who were forced to live literally at the gates of bug Hades. And then God interrupted my thoughts again. He simply said, oh, she's not a victim. What? And that's when it happened. An instant download from the Holy Spirit, scripture flew across my brain, and I ran into the house to grab my phone to snap a picture and hopefully capture the mesmerizing scene. Now, the porch was shadowy, and it was in the afternoon. The light was fighting itself, but I did get a picture, so anyone want to see it? <laughs> All right. <laughs> it starts off with a tiny short video. It's hard to see. There's the pod, and there she is. In just a minute, we'll have a still shot. see the pod? There she is on the left, and the po- she's looking over it, and looks like she's praying over it. She was a wise, calculated, bold warrior mom. And that's right. This warrior mom chose to enter the cage at the very gates of Bug Hades and build her nest, that creepy pod, directly in the path of the biting bugs. How strategic, how shrewd, a bountiful source of food constantly coming to her while she raised her young. So remember 1 Peter 5, 8 from earlier? Well, here it is again with more context. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith. So the anecdote to anxiety or fear in regard to our responsibilities as a mother or grandmother in this world that's getting, let's admit it, more bizarre by the day is modeled right here by our amazing praying mantis, Super Mom. Here she is literally at the gates above Hades raising her young, any of your parents or grandparents feel this analogy in some way? Well, let me share this verse I've been loosely quoting and re- referencing until now. It's from Matthew 16, 18. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Amen. It's just so perfect because Brian and I have actually been at the gates of Hades. And I know that sounds a bit dramatic. But it's an actual place. It's where Jesus said this quote. We saw it when we went to Israel. It's at Caesarea Philippi. Its ruins exist to this day. The gods of the underworld were worshipped here. There was this underground current that came up in the cave, and they would make sacrifices. They would put their children, their infants, in this river, and if it sucked it down under the cave, That was considered a good thing. It had been accepted. And if it didn't and the baby just remained there, that considered a rejection of their sacrifice. Wow. What an analogy for us. Evil would have us believe that it will swallow up our children. But Jesus himself spelled it out for us in scripture that he is building his church, even at the very gates of Hades, where children fall victim. He didn't say the gates of Hades won't overcome anything, so just don't worry. He said the gates of Hades will not overcome what? His church. So what do you think? It seems pretty clear to me that God is calling his church not to retreat. The praying mantis seemed to have embraced this strategy well. Now, she didn't drop her guard and binge-watch Netflix at the gates of Hades. I'm sure she raised her young with much awareness, lest they drop their guard and get sucked down with the other bugs. Now, how could a culture back in the day of Christ think it was ever a valuable thing to sacrifice children in an underground current dragging them to death? I think we could ask similar questions when we think about what our children are expected to learn and go through today. However, we also need to remember that if this world feels twisted and not right, That's because while we are living here, it is not our home. 1 Peter 2, 11 to 12 says, Dear friends, your real home is not here on earth. You are strangers here. I ask you to keep away from all the sinful desires of the flesh, these things that fight to get hold of your soul. When you're around people who don't know God, be careful how you act. Even if they talk against you as wrongdoers, in the end they will give thanks to God For your good works when Christ comes again. And I'm gonna read that second part again because it is critical. When you are around people who do not know God, be careful how you act, even if they talk against you as wrongdoers. In the end, they will give thanks to God for your good works when Christ comes again. We're not to point our fingers in the chest of people who are not believers. Jesus and the apostles spoke constantly of how we are to do our best to live at peace with those around us. Absolutely, and especially those who don't know God. So that when the time is right, we can share with them the hope that we have. And then they can share that hope. We can, they can share in that hope and be transformed through God who saves us, through Christ's sacrifice, so that the peace of God can be available also to them. Now, as a mom, I think the praying praying mantis is a perfect example because she didn't just happen through life and wait for troublesome things to pop up and then address them. If she waited on trouble before teaching her buglings, they would have already been tasty snacks to predators or lost to the wind. If she wasn't sober-minded and alert, she would never have chosen to raise her young inside a bug trap unless she was calculated and aware of where her young would be well provided for. Warrior moms teach their children that there is strength in God in the midst of evil. And not just that, but that God's strength is actually stronger than evil's. Now if we choose to hide from evil, which isn't possible by the way, are we teaching them that God's strength is stronger? If we keep our heads low and say, don't mind me, Satan. No need to roar like a lion, no one to devour over here. Our family's mostly gristle and bones anyway. Well, that last part might be true. <laughs> but no, God assured me as a mother, if I give in to fear and live this way, that I'm the one at risk. I become the easy target, the mother sheep and her baby lamb separated from the flock and from the strength of the herd. If I'm building the church, I'm aware of the evil one and his schemes, not trying to hide, pretending they won't affect me, because whether I'm aware of the evil one and his traps makes no difference to the fact that they are there. So if we wait to teach our children about how powerful God is over evil until the snap trips, that's leaving our young to the wind. A warrior mom teaches her child to wield a sword before the battle. So speaking of swords and children, or at least sharp objects in children, I have a confession. When my son Nick was in second grade and my other son was in preschool, I thought they were finally old enough to enjoy carving pumpkins for the first time. We'd never done this before because, well, it's a lot of work. And when they're little, parents do all the work and all the cleanup, and it's slimy and stringy and gooey, and so I knew Brian wouldn't be involved. (laughs) (laughs) Well, not because of the work, because he's just too logical to choose to get himself and his offspring slimy and gooey on purpose. And Brian had passed his logical nature on to our son, who somehow convinced me by the way of a calm and yet passionate argument That he should be allowed to use a pocket knife he'd been given for when he's older on his own pumpkin by himself. And I thought, well, the kid seems pretty level-headed about this, and it sounds like his plan is soluble. And by nature, he'd always been an extremely cautious child. So I handed the seven-year-old the knife. Did you hear what I just said? (laughs) Needless to say, within minutes, we were at the doctor's office for possible stitches. And just, he did not need stitches, okay. (laughs) It wasn't that bad. But the doctor was kind and understanding. In fact, now that I think about it, I think he was a little too happy about the whole thing. He said, oh, this is my first pumpkin carving injury of the season. (laughs) Of course, I cringed, and he looked at me and said, so is your son in Cub Scouts learning how to use a pocket knife to whittle things and such? I said, no, no, not in Cub Scouts. He said, oh, is the knife a special tool that you've been practicing with? You know, pumpkins are just different from most things. They're round and slippery. And I said, no, not practicing. First time with a pocket knife. (laughs) He patted me on the back, and, I mean, I got what he was trying to tell me. And then he said... Not only is this my first pumpkin carving incident of the season, it's my first seven-year-old pumpkin carving incident of my career. And I looked at him and said, and you're not, an old, you're not a young man. <laughs> so he cleaned Nick's wound and sent us on our way, and it was such a good reminder to me that we need to train our children. We train them first. You train a child to use a knife before you give it to him. It's sharp. And you don't keep them away from knives. People need to know how to use these kinds of things. But training is required before the battle comes, or pumpkins, whatever. But make no mistake, the battles are coming. So we need to teach our children from the moment they begin learning, and that makes sense. Because the world is not going to wait until you think your child is at the appropriate age to teach your child its agenda. And we can repost on social media as many times as we like. Let our children be children. And at best, you'll find people to commiserate with. It's time to turn the page on that and realize we need to be posting. Let our kids be wise and instructed by the Lord. Let our kids be sober-minded and alert. I'm not saying there won't be plenty of hallmark moments with your children that are perfectly lovely and precious beyond words. It's just naive to think that you can provide them with a Hallmark movie fest for their life when they're living at the gates of Hades. So Proverbs 22:6 Train up a child in the way he should go and when he's old he will not depart from it. We don't raise them to hide out in the world and teach them, but we do teach them that they're of the world. They're not of the world, but they're in it. And you know, you you could teach your child this, and it could be true, that between when he's young and when he's older, that little bug of yours decides to fly pretty close to that blue light and follow the other bugs that are on their way to the pit. He He may one day get close enough to the pit to peek inside and see the pain and destruction that comes from not living according to the ways in which he was instructed, but he'll come back. He'll remember the mother who prayed over him and spoke God's word over him and taught him that he's in the world, but not of it. Warrior moms and grandmoms never give up. Be alert, sober-minded. And what does this mean for us today? As a mom, or in my case, a grandmom, and for some of us who also serve the role of a mom, for kids who desperately need a loving influence in their lives, this is what it looks like. First, we have to know God's word in order to teach it to our children. That makes sense? We have to model it for them. In other words, okay, wait for it. I got to know it to bestow it. <laughs> yeah, I got to say it again. <laughs> I got to know it to bestow it. <laughs> and second, we have to teach our children from day one and every day going forward. For instance, Deuteronomy 6.5. It says love the lord your god with all your heart with all your soul and with all your strength these commandments that i give you today are to be on your hearts and press them on your children talk about them when you sit at home when you walk along the road when you lie down when you get up tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads write them on the doorframes of your houses and on your gates a way we took this, this old scripture and made it new for us when our children were little is we bought posters that had cool things that they were into, like an athlete doing something amazing or a, a wild animal that had emboldening quotes of scripture on them. And we would put them where they would see them right before they fell asleep. The last thing they looked at before they closed their eyes scripture. What are the last things your family looks at before they go to sleep? And third... We have to model boldness, not just be part of the church, but live as the church. Matthew 16:18 says, On this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it, because I got to know that Jesus himself is building what I'm a part of, and Satan will not prevail over it. On May 10th, the day after, the day after tomorrow, There's a great opportunity for you as a mom or a woman of influence to experience what it feels like to live as the church alongside other women. It's called Stronger Together. It's a kind of jumpstart event for women to get plugged into other women's lives as the church. And you can sign up with your phones before you leave. You just go to hillcountry.life, click on adult ministries, women's ministries, first name, last name, bam, you're in. So we remember that being a mom is hard, but we are stronger together. You know, we hear people chant, keep them in public school, bring them home, homeschool them, or this is the time for private schools to shine. Oh, if parenting were only that easy to pick the right school for your children. Where Brian and I stand right now, it looks very much like the debate over whether to lay your child on its stomach its side or its back. At one time, we had our children in public school, then private school, then homeschool, then public school. We were not tossing them to the wind or letting trouble decide their fate. We were calculated, we were prayerful, we swiveled, we pivoted, and we paid attention to each child. Our goal was to raise him up in the way he should go. What was best for that particular child during that particular season of life? The decisions for your children will never be as easy as we'd like them to be, and the science and psychology behind what we should do, it will change. But there is one who will never change, and he will lead us, if we lead our children, to look to him for wisdom. When asked whether hardships and evil can overcome the Christian, the Apostle Paul said, no. He said, no. (laughs) Despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And the Apostle John said, for whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. So if you would please bow with me in prayer and think on this. If you're willing to be a warrior mom or grandmom, Now is the time to speak to God in your heart. Ask him, how, God, can I know your word better? Because remember, i got to know it so he can bestow it. Maybe you're thinking, I know it. I know God's word. Maybe you've got Genesis to Revelation memorized in the original Hebrew, Greek, and those sneaky little bits of Aramaic. You know his word. Ask God this. How can I put myself out there and be paying attention to the Holy Spirit so he can apply these words to the world around me? Some of God's mightiest works are very small. Ask him to quiet your mind and fine focus your thoughts throughout the days so you can hear him speak. Dear Lord Jesus, we open our hearts to your reminder in James 1 and 1.5, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. And again, we claim, for whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. We give this to you in, our, in your name, Jesus. Amen.